Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Great to be here. It's exciting what God is doing. My name is Tim and with Rach, we're the pastors here. It's our great joy to be a part of what God is doing and to serve alongside you all in this stunning city. Now, one of the great feelings in life has to be when your beloved sports team snatches a last-minute victory. Are people with me? Now, I know some of you are like, I don't care about sport. I don't understand it. Well, I don't understand you because <laughs> there is nothing more thrilling than a last minute winner. I think Man United v Bayern Munich in 1999 in the Champions League final. And Solskjaer has won it. I even know the uh, commentary. I think about Liverpool. This is a bit harder for me as an Everton fan. Liverpool against AC Milan in Istanbul 2005. I think about England v New Zealand in the Cricket World Cup 2019. Ben Stokes, what a last-minute snatched win. And then one of the best, England v Australia in the Rugby World Cup 2003. Johnny Wilkinson. And everyone goes absolutely crazy. When you see your team win last minute, it just is incredible, indescribable. And what we learn about sports is this important principle that the clock determines the play. The clock determines the play. You know, when you start a match, whether it's football or tennis or whatever, the opponents, you're sussing one another out, you're getting into your stride, you're kind of relaxing into the game, getting your strategy right. And using the football analogy, if you go in at half-time, 1-0 down, it's okay. We've got 45 minutes. We don't need to panic. We can just keep doing our thing. But... If you're one nil down and there's one minute left on the clock, everything changes. And that's when you see in football, suddenly goalkeepers are going up for corners in the last minute to try and snatch an equaliser or to snatch a win because the clock determines the play. We are living in an age of great urgency. Real crisis as we've been praying and as we've been deeply shocked, grieving this week, what we're seeing in the Ukraine with Russia and Putin's despicable evil actions shake us to the core. It's changed everything for us living here. We are emerging out of a pandemic where for so many, we're still carrying some of the scars and the challenges and the setbacks that we've experienced. There are economic challenges, cost of living, price of fuel is going up. There's a mental health crisis, alarming swathes of people who are battling with anxiety, with depression and other mental health issues. It's challenging. And then if we look at the church, we understand we are in a battle. And many people, many churches are losing numbers, particularly amongst an emerging younger generation. And metaphorically speaking, it seems to me that we as the people of God are one nil down with one minute to play. And the clock determines the play. And so in the midst of this turbulence that we've been through, I believe now is not the time for us to sit back and to play it safe. Now is not the time just to lick our wounds and to get consumed with our personal insecurities and hang-ups. Now is not the time to build lives of comfort in an uncomfortable world. I believe it's time for us to live a life less ordinary, to do the things that God is calling us to do, which is radical obedience to Christ and his teachings. And we're seeing, and I believe we need to step up in a whole new way, a move in terms of prayer, I've been fascinated watching the church over the last week pray regarding the issue in the Ukraine. When we we, often, when you stand up and say, "We're going to pray," there's utter silence from everyone, and you you sometimes get the hmm, you know, which is a very church thing. Nowhere else in the world are you in a meeting where hmm. But when we're, I've just been at St. Luke's, when we started to pray, you hear it. People are praying out loud. You can feel the emotion because we're desperate and we're looking and we're thinking, God, only you can intervene. And we need to pray with renewed fervency. We need to serve 
with radical passion and dedication and we need to give sacrificially in a way that we've never given before. And over this month, we're going to be looking at our vision as a church and what we feel God's calling us to. But we believe that this is a season God is calling us to above and beyond, to go above and beyond, to reach above glass ceilings that we've been living under, both as individuals but also as a church, to, to reach beyond boundaries and limitations that we've been willing to accept in our lives. But now is the time for us to believe, to really believe and live like it, that we serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. But now is the time for us to cultivate a deep resilience, an honest faith, Not a fake faith, but an honest faith that really takes God at his word, that believes he's the God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, which is at work within us. Wow, God's power is at work in us. And there's so much need in this city. Spiritually, people are lost. Spiritually, there is just a desperate need for hope, which ultimately comes in the person of Jesus Christ. But there are physical needs all around us. Loneliness, isolation, poverty, people desperate to find ways of getting into work, to rebuild their lives. And as the church, as the people of God, we have to step up, to step out, to be a part of God's kingdom come. And as a leadership team, we believe that this is a moment of expansion for us as a church. We're seeing it, you know, talking about new locations in Shirley, Gastreet South, and other church plants. Today, St. Mary's, Pipe Hayes, Lighthouse Church is officially being launched. We're seeing in the midst of so much challenge, actually what God, I feel, has done is shaken our church up. And where many churches are battling in decline, we're seeing growth and life. And we believe that this is a window of opportunity for us to step into as a church. And let's remember, we can all say, yeah, church, and think it's some big thing. No, church is you. (laughs) When I say this is a moment of opportunity, this is a window of opportunity, a moment of expansion, that's you, for you and for me and for all of us to step into this call to see God's kingdom come. And we believe that as we begin to plant seeds, we will see miraculous growth. And so Rachel and I are sharing today on this theme, miraculous growth. I've been challenged at this scripture, this letter Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Paul planted many churches. That was his strategy, the church's strategy for growth, for evangelism. You know, it wasn't about growing and building businesses, you know, like a franchise like Starbucks or Apple. No, no, this was, this was about evangelism. Reaching the lost, reaching a people who didn't know about the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we're passionate about evangelism and church planting, which we'll talk about next week. But Paul planted these churches, and one of the churches he planted was in Corinth. And the church was flourishing and thriving. But Paul wanted to teach them about the principle of generosity. And he doesn't hold back. And he he uses the example of the Macedonian churches. And he says to this influential flying church in Corinth, if you want to understand giving, if you want to grow in what it means to be a radical follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an example of a church that gave in a miraculous, stunning way. And so in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, we read this, should come up on the screen. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he'd earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we've kindled within you, see that you also excel in the grace 
of giving. Now we need to understand the Macedonian churches were living under huge persecution. Because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they were being imprisoned and tortured and ostracized in their communities. And because of this great persecution, they were now living, as Paul says, in extreme poverty. But what is the word that Paul uses to describe these people? Overwhelming joy. And that can only happen with God. Only with God can poverty and joy coexist together. Because the scriptures teach us that the love of God, understood and at work in someone's heart, can mean whatever the circumstances, whatever the setbacks, whatever the challenges and the trials, there can be this deep, unshakable joy that brings us strength and an energy. And so for the Macedonian church, under extreme trial, huge poverty, they overflowing with this wealth of generosity, they in fact say to Paul, look, we want to give. We want to get in on this adventure. You know, it was not like Paul saying, please, please, will you give? No, they're saying, we want to be a part of this. Why? Because they wanted to give to serve the needs of the church in Jerusalem. Paul is aware that there's famine in Jerusalem, so he's encouraging the church in Corinth to give to the practical needs of the church in Jerusalem But also, Paul wants the people to give because he wants to see the church explode, to grow, to expand, to move throughout Europe and Asia and beyond. And so Paul is encouraging the church and he's stunned by the Macedonians' willingness to get involved. And I love what the theologian, Murphy O'Connor, he writes about the generosity of the Macedonian churches. He says this, Despite all their own difficulties, they did not turn inward. Their concern was for others, the one proof of authentic love. It was this that released the divine power into the world. We could so easily, understandably turn in on ourselves at this moment. That was a rough two years. I'm exhausted. I, I just need to rebuild. I need to catch my breath. And of course, there are seasons where everyone needs those moments to catch their breath. But this cannot be a moment where the church turns inward. And for too long, the church in the West has settled with comfort, where our faith has been this kind of luxury little thing on the side, maybe a bit of a a crutch to lean on in times of difficulty. No, this is a time for us to look outward. And if we generally are a people of love, authentic love, love overflows into action. And what Paul is teaching us and what we see here is when people begin to give God's kingdom power is released. And we look all around us, and what we need is a move of God's kingdom power. But it's only going to be released if we learn what it is to give. And the church here in Macedonia, Paul says that they gave as much as they were able, but even beyond their ability. The church in the West aren't even giving what they're able to give. But I believe if we want to see transformation and change, if we want to see a reversal of some of the trends we're aware of, for some of us, we need to learn what it is to give beyond our ability. The Greek word Paul uses here for ability can also refer to one's financial capacity. The ability to give beyond what humanly seems possible. In 2000, as a part of an amazing mission in Manchester called The Message. It was with Soul Survivor and Mike Pilavachi, this amazing leader, and I had the privilege of being one of the worship leaders there. And we took 11,000 kids to Manchester. We'd meet in the Manchester Arena for worship, and then all these kids would go out and serve in the communities, doing amazing, just practical acts to be a blessing. But Soul Survivor used to be in a field in Somerset, and we found running conference for 11,000 kids in a city centre costs a lot more money. And it came to the end of all these events and we were looking at a huge financial loss. And there weren't mass reserves and it was really quite terrifying. And with three days to go before the end of the event, this businessman turns up and he looks at what's happening and he gives a cheque for £170,000, which was amazing. But on the last morning, 
there was still a shortfall of £100,000. And Mike Pilavachi, uh, understandably, was anxious about this. That's a huge amount of money to need to raise. And as he's walking into that final morning in the Manchester Arena, he saw all these kids lining up at ATM machines. He thought, that's weird. You know, there must be something wrong with the ATM machines and causing these queues and assuming these kids wanted to buy, you know, sweets, food, you know, for the last day. And always on the last morning, we'd take up an offering. And usually for Soul Survivor, a great offering would have been about £10,000. These are teenagers spending their parents' money. Um, <laughs> but on that last morning, those teenagers gave £112,000. Didn't just plug the gap, it gave a little surplus. One of the checks, one of the gifts that came in was for £4,521.02. It seemed such a random amount of money. and They found out it was one person who just emptied their bank, every penny in their bank, and they just gave it to pay and to fund God's work in this city. And it was the most moving and powerful thing. God released a miracle offering to fund what he was doing. And what was it that inspired these young people to give so generously? Thinking about the Macedonian church, what was it that released such radical giving? It was the Spirit of God. It was an understanding of God's grace. Paul writes, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. It was God's gift to them. that This understanding of God's lavish love what they'd been saved from and saved for and into what God had done in transforming their lives. And as they understood and grappled and lived in and enjoyed the salvation, this gift that was theirs in Christ, it's like, I want to give in return. Out of this, I want to be a generous person like God has been so generous to us. It wasn't a sense of duty. It wasn't like a, a fundraising campaign like um, comet relief or you know these amazing children in need things that happened, but it was just actually out of a sense of worship and joy and grace. It was a move of God's spirit that released giving that can only be described as miraculous. See, giving is a visible sign of an inward grace. It's a visible, practical sign of something that's happening deep within. And that's why it's so important we pray, God, would you teach us, would you show us, would you do something in our hearts that releases us to give? And what happens when we give is it ushers in the kingdom. Every time you give, it ushers in the kingdom of God. And we are here today because of the generosity of that Macedonian church, poor, broken and bruised, and they sowed a seed generously to enable the Christians who are lacking food in Jerusalem to be fed, but also to see the church grow and expand. It's part of this vision. And we wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the generosity of these Macedonians. I wonder what our generosity over this season of time, what fruit it might bring for decades, centuries, generations to come. It's an amazing, amazing thought. I love what Mirosov Wolf, the uh, theologian, writes about giving. It's a bit of a longer quote, so hang in there with me. Every word and every deed, every thought and every gesture, even the simple act of paying attention can be a gift and therefore an echo of God's life in us. You sit on your couch, beer or soda in your hand and junk food by your side, watching TV for hours. I feel like it's a window into Mike DeBandy on a Friday night, what he gets up to. <laughs> That's ordinary. You walk, work around the clock, not because you have to feed your family, but for no other reason than to park a better car in your garage than your neighbors have. That's ordinary. But you get up from your couch to pray with your kids, or you give time and energy to help educate a prisoner or lend an ear to an elderly person. That's extraordinary. Why? Because you're giving. Every gift breaks the barrier between the sacred and the mundane and floods the mundane with the sacred. When a gift is given, 
life becomes extraordinary because God's own gift giving flows through the giver. When we give, God's love and his life and the gift of who he is for humanity, it flows through us. So if we don't give, God's love and his power, his generosity, his compassion and his mercy and his goodness, it doesn't flow through us. And we can pray all we like. We can listen to all the talks. We can sing and dance with all the passion we have within us in our times of worship but if we're not giving sacrificially above and beyond God's kingdom cannot flow powerfully in and through us but when we do God can do immeasurably more over to you boss yeah as as Tim said um we are, we're seeing life. We're seeing life springing up in this church in, in, in so many different ways. As you, just, you just have to scratch beneath the surface to see all the life that is bubbling up, that's coming up through this shoots of life all around us. Uh, you know, Tim mentioned today... It's the official launch of our latest church plant, uh, Lighthouse Church, over in Pipe Pipe Hayes. These are these are shoots of life coming out of the church, Uh, and it's it's amazing. It's amazing to think that that's more new life than springing up in in another part of the city. More seeds being planted in different parts of this city. We're seeing shoots of life amongst the young people. You know, next weekend, 50 of our teenagers are going away for the weekend to worship. To, to open the Word of God together. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, 110 of our students, they went away together to, to worship together, to open God's Word together, to be community together. Last Saturday, we hosted a pancake party at Gastreet St. Luke's. 250 people, families from the local community, packed into Gastreet St. Luke's. And yes, the pancakes were great, but they were there for more than the pancakes. It was about community being together. There is life. Life Life is springing up. We are seeing people come to faith. I mean, that is one of the most exciting things about being church, is seeing people come to faith in Jesus for the first time. And they're coming to faith through Alpha. They're coming to faith through through church online, through through Sundays. We're, We're seeing it happen. People saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. And we want to share one of those stories with you. Uh, Kat is one of the students here. She came to Birmingham to study to be a doctor, to study medicine. And um, she shares her story in this video. But she first came to Gastry because one of her friends, a fellow student, Sophie, who also comes to Gastry, bravely one day said, hey, Kat, do you want to come to church? And then look, watch this video and see what happens. I didn't grow up a Christian. I wouldn't have said I had a faith at all growing up, actually. I guess it was sort of secondary school that I started thinking about it a little bit more. I was really interested in RS as a sort of student and like the debate side and the arguments. But at that point in my life, I always took the sort of atheist stance and that's what I'd always argue. And I thought I knew everything and I thought I was confident in the belief that God definitely wasn't real at that point. So I came to Birmingham in 2017 to study medicine at university here, just living my normal, guess, typical student life of um, going out, probably drinking far too much alcohol, making reckless decisions. Um, and then like one day I woke up and I was like, you know what, I really fancy being in a church. Like I just want to be in church. And then it was one Sunday, we'd been out the night before, and I got this text through, and it was my friend Sophie, and she'd said, Hi Kat, look, I know that you mentioned you might want to go to church. I'll be at Gas Street tomorrow at 6pm. If you want to come, we'd love to see you there. So walking through Gas Street front doors for the first time, and I was like, oh, okay, it's quite big. And there was those people, and I was like, oh, brownies, tea, brilliant, sign me up, I'm here. And there were loads of students, and... So just loads of people really friendly and just coming up and saying, hi, welcome to Gas Street. 
And actually, even that first time I went to Gastreet during the worship, I remember tears pouring out of my eyes. And my friend Sophie prayed for me, and firstly, I was feeling like my hands trembling and my arms were shaking, and I was like, this is really weird. Like, what have they put in the air in this building? What's going on? And I just felt this, like, rush of emotion. And all of the worries I'd had, all of those things just sort of melted away, and I just stood in the moment and was just completely overcome with emotion. And I was just like, no, let's stand and think about how I felt. And I was like, I feel safe, I feel secure, I feel really loved. Even if I don't fully know what's happening, even I now am very much at the point of being like, well, this is, it has to be God. There's nothing else that's making this happen. This is what they're telling me about. Like the person on stage has just stood and spoken about this person who loves me unconditionally. And I was like, wow, it's him. It's him, what, what I feel now is him. It makes sense. What they're saying is what's happening. And yeah, that was just incredible, that moment. And someone was like, oh, we have student gatherings, which is just the students on a Tuesday. And then I started going on a Tuesday and loved it. And um, anyone who's been to Gastreet Students will know that it's almost impossible to not have fun at Gastreet Students. And there was food and there was games and there was Bible teaching. I still wanted some of those more sort of scientific, evidence-based answers. So I signed up for Alpha, met this awesome bunch of people, and I just really enjoyed, actually, time to speak about things, that there was, there was no judgment. No one thought that you were stupid for any question that you could ask. People that I met at Alpha who were very, very new to faith and really were still asking big questions. For me, I was quite an anxious person. I used to have panic attacks quite a lot, and I have not had a panic attack for years. I am way more grateful for lots of the things which happened to me. I think I worry less about the little stuff, and I really just enjoy God's gifts, whether that's big things or little things. And I can't now imagine living how I lived before, and I can't imagine making decisions where God wasn't at least part of what I was thinking about. I think I'm just more content, happier in life since becoming a Christian. I remember it was Tim actually said, if you've not been baptised and you come to church, make that the next step of your journey. Like that, that could be the next thing that you need to do. And I was like, yeah, that's it, I've got to do it. And it was one of those things, like, oh, it's still a bit scary. Like at that point I was like, yeah, really secure in my faith. I know that I'm a Christian. I know that God's real, he's good, he's got it. Goodness, it was like, okay, it's still a big decision. All of my family were there, even people who really wouldn't consider themselves Christians, and the same with my friends. So yeah, best, best yes ever. I think now as a Christian, it's easier for me to see where God was, um, sort of when I didn't know him. All of those little steps which have lined up and now I'm sat here at church, just incredible. As a medical student, as someone who wants to be a doctor, my faith definitely helps me in some of the challenging bits, like realising that there's limits to us having answers as doctors, there's limits to us knowing the answers as humans, but there's no limit to God's answer to things, I think that helps. Having that faith perspective of knowing that God is good. He loves every person that's in that hospital, every person that's in the GP surgery, even if they're not aware of it, God is with them, and knowing that it's, it's gonna be good in the end is just a revelation. I never feel alone, I never feel like I need to panic or worry about things, but that consistency that he has, that he's with me in all aspects of my life, that He's so close all of the time, it's just like, that's where I think I'm at now. That's where, how I think I know him best is this, just closeness, this close security. So Sophie planted the seed and then God watered it and Kat's life is changed forever. 
These are the seeds that we're talking about. And you know, over the next few weeks, uh, we're really excited to share with you some of what we believe that God is, is calling us to as a church. He's calling us uh, to play our part, to continue to play our part in this vision that we felt God give us right at the beginning to be light for the city. And we just want to encourage you, we want to challenge you. Would you track with us over the next couple of weeks? You know, I, I don't know what your church attendance is like, generally speaking, but, but could we encourage you, if you want to be in, if you want to be part of what God is doing through this church, would you just track with us for these next few weeks? Because we really believe that each Sunday is going to build on the next one. This is a key, key moment in the life of Gastry. And if you want to be part of it, if you want to be in, if you want to be part of what God is doing, just track with us for the next couple of weeks and listen in, listen in, open your heart and allow God to speak to what he might be saying to you through this. Because as Tim said, we can talk about the church, the church, but you are the church. You are the church. You are the church. So please come, please track with us. And you know, next week, we're going to be focusing in on plants and locations, the, the opportunities that we have as a church to, to, to plant more churches, to plant more locations, to train up leaders, to step into different parts of the city, uh, to reach different communities right across the city and beyond. We're also going to look at online. You know, God's kind of opened up this door for us to, to be church online, to be in the online space. You know, we sense that this is a mandate that God has given us as a church, and we are running with it. We're called to be a church that resources, that equips people, and online is an incredible tool for doing just that. It's also like an amazing evangelistic opportunity that we're discovering, because it's so easy to send a friend a link. You might be watching now, and one of your friends has sent you a link to Gas Street Church, and you're like, I'll have a look at that. Well, welcome. We're so glad that you're tuning in right now. And so we want to see, we want to explore what are the opportunities that we have to see God's kingdom come through online. We also, the following week, we want to look at the emerging generation. So on the, the 20th of March, we want to explore some of the, I mean, the, there are immeasurable opportunities that we have to see God's kingdom come through young people, through the emerging generation. That's our kids. That's our youth, our young people. That's our students. And you know, this is a demographic that, that is hemorrhaging out of the church. I mean, the statistics about attendance amongst the un under 18s, amongst the under 21s, is terrifying. I mean, that, that could be a whole generation that never gets that invitation to church. We have to see that change. Do you see that there is an urgency? Why we can't just come to church and rest on our laurels and get comfortable? There is an urgency. We have to plant these seeds. We have to pray and play our part in going above and beyond, that, that the tide would turn, that we would see young people back in church, giving their lives to Jesus, having their lives radically transformed, that they would lead obedient, radical lives for Jesus. That, that's what we're asking for. That's what we're looking for. And then the, the following week, the last Sunday in March, we're going to look at mission. Again, all the innumerable opportunities for us as a church to play our part in practical ways in our community, in our city, and beyond. Many of you will know we, we launched Love Your Neighbor two years ago. It started as this sort of fledgling food bank in response to some of the food insecurity that we had noticed many people were facing in our community, in our local community, on our doorstep. And so we kind of set up this food bank trying to be helpful, trying to serve the practical needs of the people that live really within sort of a mile or two of, of this building and Gas Street St. Luke's. And then God has miraculously grown the work that is happening through Love Your Neighbor. And we're going to share much more about that in a few weeks' time, the last Sunday. In now, now there are 13 missional streams that run out of Love Your Neighbor and into the local community. You know, one of those streams is the job club. Because when you start meeting the need of food insecurity for people, what you realize is that actually the challenges that lead to food insecurity are way
way more profound than how can I get a meal on my table to, to feed my family. And, and as a church, we thought, you know, we've got we to gotta backtrack with people. We've got to work out what's happening here. How is it in the 21st century in Birmingham, there are families that can't feed their kids. This is not right. And so Job Club is one of those streams. And, you know, Claire Bateman who's the job club manager, she told me this story. She was saying uh, about this client that she had been supporting through job club, and he'd been out of work for several years, and he'd had a really bad experience at his last place of employment. He's Asperger's. He has these additional needs, and so uh, he was nervous, really anxious, understandably, about how he could get back into the workplace, uh, into an environment that would understand some of his additional needs. And so Claire sat with him over a number of weeks, helped him write a CV chatted with him about what, what his passions were, what his strengths were, what his interests were. And, and he discovered in that conversation that he would actually really love to work supporting younger people who also have additional needs. And so Claire found a contact, set him up with this contact to have a conversation about what might be possible. There was a job opening, doing just that, supporting young people with additional needs. She helped, she helped him write the application. He got the job. He loves it. He loves it. That's what we're seeing. There is so much opportunity. And in all of this, we want to ask you a really important question. We want to ask you a really important question. The question is, what seeds can you plant today? over the next few weeks? What are the seeds that God is calling you to plant that will reap a harvest for the generations to come? What seeds has God put in your hand that you could plant and see God do a miracle through, see miraculous growth through? Sia, I don't know whether Sia's here. He's one of our leaders here. He's uh, the Farsi community, one of the Farsi community leaders. Is he here, Sia? No, no, he's not here today. Well, just a few weeks ago, he was at the 6 p.m. gathering, and it was probably quite a wild gathering if you've been to the 6 p.m., packed full of young people. I mean, packed full of young people. And Sia came bounding up to Tim at the end, and he just said, I've just got this sense, you know, look around, look at all these young people. This isn't the harvest, this is the seed. Like, don't be fooled. Don't be lulled into a false sense of security that what we see with all these young people flocking into church on a Sunday evening, don't be fooled into thinking that that's the harvest. They are the seed. They are the seed. And we were so moved and challenged by that word. And it would be easy to look at Gastry, particularly at the 6 p.m. on a Sunday evening. Look at all these young people. Oh, we've arrived. The harvest is here. No, that's not the harvest. This is just the seed. This is just the beginning. And what would it look like if all those seeds, those young people that are in church giving their lives to Jesus, what would it look if they were planted? What would it look like if they were planted and we would see extraordinary growth, miraculous growth through their lives, that, that, through their lives, that the kind of miraculous growth that could not be contained in this building or another building or another building, the kind of miraculous growth that media outlets could not ignore. What would it look like? Young lives planted in the obedience of the Word of God. Young lives planted in the sacrifice of the will of God that would see cities and nations transformed for the glory of God. Wouldn't that be amazing? But it takes seeds. It takes seeds. And we believe, we believe that the soil is ready. We believe that the soil is good. We believe that the soil of this church, the soil of this church is ready for a miraculous harvest. We're believing for it. We are believing, we're putting our faith on the line and we are believing for a miraculous harvest. You know, in Mark's gospel, you will be, many of you, familiar with the parable of the sower. Jesus tells this story about the parable of the sower. And what we hear is that, that some of the seed that the sower plants, it, it falls on the path. It gets eaten up by the birds. Some of the seed, it falls on the rocky ground and it, it never takes root. 
Some of the seed, it it falls amongst the thorns and the weeds and it gets choked as the plant begins to grow. It, It gets choked and it doesn't bear fruit. But some of the seed, some of the seed falls into the good soil. And what happens to the seed? As it falls into the good soil, it bears a harvest. But not just any kind of harvest. Mark 4.20 says this. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word of God like cat. Hear the word of God, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. You know, in Palestine at that time, uh, that's the context that Jesus was speaking into as he shared this story. You know, a crop, if a a sower, if a farmer planted a seed, then then a a yield of maybe 10 times what was planted, that would be good. That That would be really good. If it was 30 times what was originally sown, that would be like, wow, wow, sign me up to the next, like, competition. But if, if a sower sowed a seed and it yielded a hundred times what was originally sown, that is miraculous. Like that is miraculous growth. That would be nothing short of a miracle. And we believe that we're in a season right now, the soil is good, the soil is ready. And we believe that every single person sitting in this room has seeds in their hands, ready to be planted into the soil, that we would see God do a miracle, miraculous growth, not not just numerically, not just numerically, not just like bums on seats, but more than that, deeper than that, wider than that, in terms of signs and wonders. We want to see God move in ways that will just blow our minds. We want to see God doing things that we have been longing for for years. Years and years and years. Not just growth numerically, but growth in terms of depth, the quality of friendships and relate. People are crying out for deep relationship, for deep connection. We, we want to see growth in terms of the depth of spirituality, growth in terms of seeing people set free from the chains that bind us, that hold us back, that trip us up. Growth in terms of people making a commitment to see God's kingdom in advancing through, through what, what we do in our, our day-to-day, our, our work life, our family life. The soil is good. The soil is ready, and we believe that if we plant these seeds now, and, and the seeds, just to be really, really clear, the seeds are our time, the seeds are our talents, and the seeds are our money. Be absolutely clear, that's what we're talking about. It's easy to create nice metaphors, and we, we're going to do that. But the seed we're talking about is our time, it's our talents, but it's also our money. And we believe we're going to see miraculous fruit. We believe we're going to see a miraculous legacy. Who doesn't want a miraculous legacy? You know, when we're gone, when we're with Jesus, it'd be amazing to think that what we left behind, because we planted seeds in faith, above and beyond what we thought we were able, that we leave behind a miraculous legacy. You know, a while ago, Two different friends from different sides of the world uh, sent Tim and I prophetic words, a prophetic picture and a prophetic dream. And one of these friends from America, she said she saw a picture of us gardening. And the garden looked kind of fruitful and lush and healthy. But she said then God started pouring on, you know, that miracle grow, you know, that product that you can get that you put on plants. And And she said just like miraculous growth just started leaping out. And then this other friend from Scotland, he sent us an email to say he'd had a dream. He'd had this dream that this stage was like a garden. And we were watering the stage with a hose pipe. And it kind of looked a bit weird, but, but the garden of this stage was flourishing. And people were asking, why are you watering the stage? You know, why are you hosing it? And it seemed kind of bizarre, but the garden was growing fast. And the sense that our friend had is that that God was at work. Life was going to just explode out of this church. We feel excited that God is speaking. God is on the move. As Tim said, this is a moment of expansion, and it will require all of us, all of us giving, all of us giving, 
And as we share more of this vision over the coming weeks, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we want to encourage you. Would you seek God with us? This is a time of seeking God, of asking God. Would you seek God with us? Would you ask God with us that he would release the resources that we need to see all that we want to see, to to go above and beyond? And so over the next month, these next few weeks, we're going to be praying. And we're believing as a community, we're believing as a community that we might see 350,000 pounds given through this church, through you, through me, through us. 350,000 pounds. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're asking that God might do over the next couple of weeks through this church so that we can resource all that you're going to hear about over the next few weeks. And you know, just to give you a, a, a few little details of of, of, uh, just again something to sort of root it in reality currently at gastry uh, there are 320 households that give regularly to gastry there are 320 households that give regularly to gastry and yet we know that there are 1500 adults that are connected into gastry regularly that doesn't include the seven and a half thousand people, not, yes, seven and a half thousand people that tune into Gastry online every week. That doesn't even include those, those people. You know, of those 320 households that give regularly, the average giving is about 145 pounds a month. And so if you do the maths, if, if of those 320 households, If every one of those households was tithing, that's giving 10%, then we worked out that then the average household income is around £17,500 a year. That doesn't quite seem right. And so essentially what I'm saying, if I'm putting it like really, really bluntly, that means that there are a lot of people that come to Gastry, that call Gastry their home church, that don't give regularly, that don't tithe that don't give 10% of what their income is coming in every month, every year. And I'm not saying that's a guilt trip, just to be really clear. This isn't a guilt trip. I don't want anyone to leave feeling like they have been guilt tripped. But we think it's actually really helpful in the context of the next few weeks for you to know that, for you to understand that. And we're going to explore over the next couple of weeks how important it is. And, And you know, it's not that easy talking about money. We know that, like we're English, we don't do that. And yet we have to talk about money. We have to talk about, we have to talk about money because it's a discipleship issue. That's another talk. I'm not going to do it now. But we also have to talk about money because if we are going to see this miraculous growth, it will take nothing short of everyone seeking God, everyone asking God, what seeds have you put in my hand? Everyone asking God to speak to them. Tell me, God, what do I do? What do I sow? What am I called to over these next few weeks to sow into what you're doing so that we can see this miraculous growth? That might look like starting to give regularly. That might, that might be increasing your regular giving. That might be giving a one-off gift on top of your regular giving. And then on the last Sunday, on the last Sunday of March, we're going to have this moment We're going to have this moment where we all give. We all give an above and beyond offering. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't start giving now. If you're not giving regularly, start today. If you want to increase your regular giving, do it today. But on the 26th of March, we're going to have above and beyond offering. I want to end with this as the band come up. I know we're going over time a little bit today. Don't worry, your kids are fine. Just as the band come up today, we want to we want to create space to respond. And we're going to respond a little bit differently today. Because out in the cafe area, there are some shelving units. I don't know whether you clock those. We haven't just sort of added to our decor, no. But on those shelving units, there are some planters. And they've got a whole load of soil inside of them. And in a moment, we're going to invite you to grab a packet of seeds. The Hello and Welcome team are primed, ready on the door. They got hundreds of packets of seeds. 
And they're going to give each one of you a packet of seeds. And we want to invite you to take those seeds and to plant them in the soil, in the planters, in the cafe area. And we're going to do this in silence. I know we like to chat. I like to chat. But we're going to do this in silence. And the reason that we're going to do this in silence is because we want to invite you to grab hold of this moment before you walk out the door and crack on with the busyness of your day to reflect, to ask God, to use this symbol of the seeds, the physical seeds in your hand, to ask God, what is it, God, you're asking me to plant? What is it that you're asking me to sow? What are the seeds that you've given me that I can plant into the soil of this church that we might see miraculous growth? Ask God, what does it mean for you to go above and beyond today over the next few weeks that we might see miraculous growth? And so the way it's going to work, we're going to go out row by row. We're going to do it in silence, but we are going to move quite quickly. You'll have time as you journey through the cafe and as you journey back to your seat just to pray and to process. But grab the seeds plant them in the soil. Very practically, you don't have to squish them down into the soil. Just scatter them on the top. Just scatter them on the top. That's all you have to do. And then come back in here and we'll close as we come back in. And can I just suggest if you're online, there's probably a seed emoji, isn't there? Or some plant. Put it on the... And you know, it'd be amazing if everyone who's watching, or if you're on your phone, you can do that. Just put a, an emoji of an appropriate seed. Um, and uh, that'd be your way of... Well, I, I doubt there are inappropriate seeds on... Anyway, I'm kind of killing the moment, Rach. Yeah, why don't you begin to, to head out? As I said, we're going to move quite quickly. We want everyone to be part of this. And so we're going to move silently, but we're going to move quickly. And while you're waiting for your turn, again, just use this time as the band leaders to pray, to ask God what... What are the seeds? What does it look like for me to go above and beyond in my giving, in what I can give, what I can sow into the soil that we would see miraculous growth? Don't rush away. I know we're over time, but just allow God to speak. This is a key moment for us as a church. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.